I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. Jameis Winston, starter for the Saints. Now, this was expected. He was the favorite. No change in the Saints' season odds. They're projected to go 9-8 and eight this season. Dak thrown at practice. Reports say he looks good. I'm skeptical. There is an over-under in Vegas. How many games will he play? Over-under 14-and-a-half. So, assuming two-and-a-half missed games. Here's a record within the reach of the Baltimore Ravens. 20 straight preseason victories. That's what they go for this weekend. That would be Vince Lombardi's record of 19 straight. Baltimore favored by three and a half at Washington. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Friday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. A.J. Hoffman out for at least the beginning of the show with elective cosmetic dental work. Yes, that's elective cosmetic dental work. We'll talk about it when he shows up. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their bodies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we watch around the NFL for the final preseason games of the year. And we've also got another update from the Dallas Cowboys on their quarterback. What is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? You ever miss work for elective cosmetic dental work? No, and I have veneers, and I don't think I miss work for it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to start with Jameis Winston and the decision for him to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, New Orleans has a new quarterback. There was a quarterback competition between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, but after his impressive performance earlier in the week, Jameis Winston was named starter for New Orleans as they head and take on the Green Bay Packers uh, week one. This became... The odds on favor by a significant margin, Jameis. But it didn't start as some foregone conclusion. In fact, the assumption has been that Sean Payton, coach of the Saints, really had a bias towards Taysom Hill. When I say bias, meaning it was a project. It was a, if I can do this, you're going to remember it kind of thing. And these coaches at the very top of the league... And Sean Payton with a Super Bowl. And let's not forget, an onside kick in that game. Very gutsy call. He made that decision. And I think on most lists, a vast majority of lists, Sean Payton's one of the five best coaches in the NFL. I think on a list of offensive minds, he's even higher ranked, more highly regarded. Maybe the best offensive mind in football, Andy Reid, right there, is that conversation. Could he take Drew Brees, 5'11 and 7'8's bad arm to the point that, remember the story, you may recall, is Miami wanted to sign Brees out of San Diego. 
the team doctor wouldn't pass him on the physical. He was that physically limited with the shoulder that he hurt. And lo and behold, Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer. Now, would Drew Brees have been that without Sean Payton? We will never know. But there's nothing about Drew Brees that would make you think physically, his height, his arm strength, that he would have been a Hall of Famer. Now, does it mean that his ability to process, his decision-making, getting the team into the right play, elite, maybe as good as anyone, Peyton Manning and Drew Brees would be on that list. But imagine, just like Belichick, you hear Colin right here on Fox Sports Radio say, well, you know, without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick is, and it's a below 500 record. Now, is that fair? We can debate it. I don't think it is, but you know what? I think it's because I love Belichick. But to some degree, if you say there's one variable, Tom Brady, you remove him, and Bill Belichick's a loser, below 500, that's pretty potent. Well, now we're going to get Sean Payton without Drew Brees, and that will speak to, I think, very strongly his legacy. Is he one of the best coaches of the era, or is he going to be something even beyond that? And with Jameis Winston, that victory wouldn't be as sweet. It would be, here's a number one overall pick, former Heisman winner, and had some trouble in a bad organization at the time, Tampa Bay, trouble performing, and you know what? You got him, turn it around. The 49ers don't get a massive thumbs up because of Steve Young, though, as uh, Doug Gottlieb was saying today, you know, Steve Young was with Tampa and played really poorly and or relatively poorly. Then the 49ers got him, and the rest is history, Hall of Fame. So I think Taysom Hill was the preference all things equal with Drew Brees because of what it would have meant for him and his offensive mind. I think the fact they're going with Winston speaks very strongly that it wasn't a close decision. That if it was a tiebreaker, it probably would have went to Taysom Hill. It wasn't Winston, the starter. What do you think, Jonas? Yeah, and I also think they were invested in Taysom Hill. He got paid, and and this was really a project, and and I don't know if you want to call it a passion project of Sean Payton, but can I make Taysom Hill work when nobody else could make him make him work and figure it out, whether it be at college or even in the preseason against Green Bay? And so Taysom Hill, I think, came in with the lead. I think he had the advantage. The fact that Jameis won the job tells me he just completely outperformed him all the way through training camp and all the way in the preseason. And we saw it to some degree in the most recent game with that, you know, really strong performance, uh, you know, during his, I think he only had one incomplete pass, Winston did, in that game. So that Taysom Hill deal, it was a one-year, $12 million contract. Uh, and it, that, that's Winston, right? No, Winston was a one-year, twelve million. Yeah, Hill had twelve million guaranteed for this season. Okay, uh, so twelve million guaranteed. And what's the overall de- deal for Taysom Hill? One if, second. Yeah, well, not, go ahead. I, I think it was like a two or three-year deal, if I'm not mistaken. It, it was something yeah. along those well, lines. Yeah, we'll, we'll pull it. We'll pull yeah. it up here. And but it's uh, your point is is well stated, which is it's a It was a significant investment. If you knew he wasn't going to be your starting quarterback, this contract doesn't make any sense. Yeah. At th- at this point, it doesn't. Do you have that? Yeah. So he signed a one-year deal for 16 million. Then he extended it for one more year. 
for twelve million. Okay, and this is, we're talking about Hill. So two years for twenty eight. Yes. Okay, it's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean that yeah. that's like the that's like the best cornerback in the league kind of money. Yeah. Now we can you know we can decide positions and all that, but as a slash type guy, you don't see that contract. Yeah. No, the, it's the, it's big money. Yeah. Now he would have been a discount as a starter. That, that's always the catch twenty two, right? Is if you're getting paid fourteen, sixteen mil as a starter, you're near the bottom of the league as a as a quarterback. But as any other position, you're near the top of the league, which obviously speaks to how important quarterback is. Now, the Saints are a team, speaking of money, that their salary cap wizardry, the magical ways that they seemingly can do, I don't want to call it mob accounting. I've heard people call it that. But but it really is like this, like, you know, the the rules don't really apply if we do this and this. And in a way, the league is fine with that. Meaning, as long as it takes a lot of effort to finagle your way to spend a bunch more, it feels like they can keep kicking the can down the road. Because every year there's talk about, well, finally, it's going to be the comeuppance for the Saints. They've been kicking the can for too long. And it's like, really? well, you know, they made some cuts this year for sure, but they got a lot, lot of salary on that cap, and the Saints have been willing to spend. And though they haven't gotten a Super Bowl during this last, you know, breeze push, they had a lot of success, a lot of success. But this year feels like a transition year in that they're trying to decide on – the quarterback, and now they've got an initial decision, but we don't know how it's going to go. And also, I think the cap is finally an issue to the point they had to make some cuts on defense they didn't want to make months ago. Nine and eight, there's two ways to look at it. And I'll tell you, Jonas, when I say nine and eight, the over-under win total was nine for the Saints. I probably have heard more disagreement on this game or on this team among Sharps Tell me which side you fall on. One side says, okay, this team could have made the Super Bowl last year. They were one strip away from beating Tampa Bay, it seemed. Yeah. A fumble. And Drew Brees wasn't all that good. If anything, it's a heck of a chance Winston does better than Brees. Thus, this team's just as good. Nine wins is a bargain, or it's, hey, Breeze was big, Winston threw 30 interceptions the last time he was a full-time quarterback, and they've had to get, they thinned themselves out. This team's not near as good. Where do you come down? It's all predicated on whether or not Jameis Winston can not turn the football over. If he goes back to what he was a couple of years ago, I think they're doomed. And, and I'm on the side of how many times can you get so close only to come up short and just expect you're going to get back there every single time? Like, it's really hard to do in the NFL. I think they're one of the most consistent teams, a handful of teams, the most consistent teams over the past several years. Because if you think about the run that they've been on, they had that devastating loss in the, the Minneapolis Mirror against the Vikings. Mm -hmm. Then they had that NFC Championship game blown pass interference call. Then the next year, there was a quote-unquote push-off by Kyle Rudolph in the end zone uh, that they lost at home. And then last year, they lost at home again to, to Tampa Bay. It just feels like at some point, you can't just expect this is all just going to finally we're going to break through. It's not like the NBA. It feels like this could be the year that they start to take that step back. Yeah, but I also think the following. When you're over-under win total in a 17-game season is nine wins, so it's nine and eight is projected, you're an underdog to make the playoffs. So if 
the Saints do what they did all those years you just ticked off, they would far exceed expectations. Yeah. So in a weird way, if the question was, are they finally going to win their Super Bowl? I think you're right. It's very, you know, quite unlikely. If the question is, are they going to win 10 games and exceed expectations? 10 wins probably gets you in the playoffs, so that's not even sure. But it feels like I lean towards the 10 wins is more likely. I would lean over. I'm a Sean Payton guy. I will say this. The betting market has a lot of confidence that Winston's going to play fairly well. They have an over-under yardage. How many yards will Winston throw for? McKenzie, that exact number is? 4,200 and a half. 4,200 yards at a half, 4,200 and a half yards. In his entire career, Winston's had one season over that. So that means they're expecting him to have a second-best yardage season ever, which presupposes he plays a vast majority of games. You're not going to play 10 games and get 4,200 yards. So the betting market says Saints slightly above average, but Winston's going to play the whole season probably or mostly, and he's going to have his second-best yardage season. Closing thoughts. Yeah, and I also wonder what he's going to look like in this offense because this will be the first quarterback they've had that can really get the ball downfield in quite some time because Drew Brees was never this, you know, a go deep, you know, go for it all type quarterback. He was going to pick you apart, go down the field methodically. I wonder what that does to, you know, either are they a more high-scoring team? Uh, does that put Jameis Winston in the conversation for most touchdown passes. I think that it, this could be a really uh, different look for Jameis Winston and that offense. I mean, we're going to see how much coaching really uh, was part of it for Winston because, listen, Bruce Arians was the quarter or the coach the year he threw 32 years ago, and now he's a Super Bowl champion coach. I mean, it's, I'm not a big Arians guy, but it's hard to blame him generally. But Sean Payton is potentially another level. Stay tuned, as they say. We're going to keep going in the NFL, including, including history in the making. Baltimore, favored on the road by three and a half at Washington, would have their 20th straight preseason victory. We'll talk about just how much bullies the Harbaugh's are. And he's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a closer look at the status of Dak Prescott heading into the regular season. Uh-oh, the reports are his throws look good. Again, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. That's because of you. Thank you. Spreading the word, supporting the show. And we'll keep trying, no matter what, to provide entertainment and winners. I mean, think about it. What's that show do for you? Entertainment and winners. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> you can listen on our podcast. And you just go to your favorite podcast player, search for Straight Out of Vegas, catch up over the weekend here in Vegas on the Strip. 106 degrees, the neon is chugging. 
So, RJ, Dak Prescott is still yet to play in a preseason game, recovering from not only the ankle injury he suffered last year that ended his season, but also the shoulder issue he's been dealing with throughout training camp. And as we approach the final preseason game and the regular season coming up to open up the NFL year, apparently the reports out of Dallas are optimistic uh, that there are no limitations, according to his offensive coordinator, and that he looks good, according to several reports. I want to do some research on who is the PR agent for Jerry Jones. What what organization? Because they may be the best out there. Because I've never heard of a pitch count for a quarterback. I mean, I hear that, oh, if occasionally you might have heard, oh, he's unrestricted throwing or whatever. But usually... You don't hear about pitch counts. That's in baseball. Yeah. But somehow there was a big announcement earlier this week. Hey, everyone, don't. We know the tweet told you not to worry, but that tweet was correct <laughs> because Dak is not on a pitch count. Now, he's not pitching, so it makes sense he's not on a pitch count. But. The question isn't should he th- he can't throw 20 balls or his arm's going to th- fall off. The question is is his arm at 100%? Cuz if it is, then it's a non-issue. If it isn't, it's an issue. And it's funny, Jonas, I, you were introducing the topic and you said without limitation. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean yeah. that he's able to practice freely, which I agree with? But does it mean that he's not limited, meaning that he's at 100%? I don't think we could know that. But isn't it interesting? There's not talk about he's 100%. There's talk that there's no pitch count. Yeah, and it was Kellen Moore who yesterday, and he was very careful with his wording, he said something along the lines of, uh, you know, Dak's, uh, you know, ready to go. And as far as Dak goes, ready to go for the regular season opener. Because the follow-up would have been, well, if he's ready to go, why is he not playing this weekend? And, and and so that's why, and we've been talking about it, it just doesn't add up the messaging, the delivery of the messaging. None of it adds up to what anybody thinks is going to be a fully 100% Dak Prescott week one. All right, so this is coming on Twitter. What's this fellow's name? Michael? Gelkin. Gelkin. All right, Cowboys QB Dak Prescott just completed a dart of a pass, one traveling more than 20 air yards. <laughs> to wide receiver Wilson over the middle. A healthy throw during an 11 on 11. Did the PR agent write this? <laughs> I mean, I've never, I've never heard of a 20 yard pass. I mean, if Dakota Prescott's son, who I don't think he has a son, threw it at age six, maybe, he got 20 yards in the air. What the heck? <laughs> 20 <laughs> yards in the air is a dart, and, and we're getting a tweet about it? I don't think there's anybody on this show that can't throw a ball 20 yards. And, and I've done my rotator cuff twice, and I'm pretty sure I can throw the ball 20 yards in the air. So you got veneers? Yeah. And multiple rotator cuffs. You're like the bionic man. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of <laughs> fakeness going on. Yeah. <laughs> That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell with my own teeth. We are straight. But they don't, I mean, my, actually, I get some nice looking teeth, but they're not veneer level. <laughs> so we're straight out of Vegas. Yeah, you know, the betting market, if we look at the Cowboys season wins, 8.9, which is a smidge below the Saints. Interesting. 
NFL. Well, this is fascinating. Oh, wait a second. I'm actually looking at the Saints here. That's 8.9. Dallas is actually 9.0, which is a smidge above the Saints. And their NFC East odds plus 150. Washington is what? In the plus 200 range now? Yes. So, I mean, Washington's almost equal to Dallas to win the division. When we, uh, hint, hint, bet it on the show, it was plus 350. And what was Dallas at the time? About even money? Yeah, minus 110 around. So, think about it. At one point, it was like 25% or less for Washington. Dallas, about 50%. And now, Dallas and Washington look to have about the same odds to win the East. And uh, week one, we were at 7.5 yesterday. What do you see as the current number there, McKenzie? Still seven and a half. So the the dark. I mean, again, this tweet hasn't completely <laughs> been retweeted, but that air yards of twenty plus in the dart could affect the odds. But as of now, no change in the Vegas market because of the dart. What does that do to the comeback player of the year odds? Because if he's not going to be a he was never hurt, Jonas. Well, How yeah, can you come back uh, if you've yeah. never been hurt? According to the PR team, I guess not. But if <laughs> if he was if he was the uh, the heavy favorite to win comeback player of the year, and we talked about it on the show, and now there's a question as to whether or not he's going to be at the very least a hundred percent for every game, or even play in every game. Uh, do we start looking around at maybe a guy like a McCaffrey or, uh, you know, a, a Joe Burrow possibly or one of these other guys? Because if he's not available for the entire year, how can you reward that guy with comeback player of the year? Now, I'm of two minds of what you're saying. On one hand, I agree with you that if he's not 100 percent healthy, Dak Prescott, the chance of him winning comeback player of the year goes down because the performance it takes to win that will be harder to achieve if he's not 100% healthy. But here's the other side of it. If he plays fairly well, and part of the narrative is not only did he have to come back from that devastating, he had to come back from another issue, which, by the way, that issue, we kept it on the DL, ha, 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 and they can laugh about deceiving us. So in a weird way, I think the narrative works better but I think it decreases the chance of him having a really good season. And, and with their PR team, you know, they'll make that a storyline uh, at some point throughout the course of the year. Or maybe he's trying to win it back-to-back years, so they'll let the injury linger through the offseason, and then he's got to recover from the shoulder next year, and he can win it two years in a row. Maybe well, what, I, what I'm wondering is, is are they even going to admit he was injured to win the comeback player of the year? <laughs> so, I mean, it's very confusing. Is it? I mean, and it's uh, let's just say this. There's been talk in recent years about Orwellian stuff, 1984, and the idea of what reality is, and can you kind of look at the sun and say the sun's not up and be staring at it? Well, I, it's interesting because uh, the best PR agents, regardless, are the types that want to create their own reality. And Jerry Jones, you know, Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys for a very modest amount of money. I know it was back in 87 or 88. But like he mortgaged everything. He had all his money in it. And he's now a multi-billionaire. And in a weird way, part of it is the ability. You know, they say this about Steve Jobs back in the, you know, before he passed away. He could distort reality. He could look at you and say, we can do this in a week when you knew it couldn't be done in three weeks, but you'd believe him. Jerry Jones has a little bit of that. We are straight out of Vegas. Speaking of unbelievable. Baltimore's won 19 straight preseason games. 
Yeah. And they're going for preseason win in a row, number 20. That'll be an NFL record this weekend. And the Baltimore Ravens this weekend as they get ready to try and accomplish that feat. Uh, We've talked about the Harbaugh brothers. We've talked about them being bullies, RJ. You've pointed that out several times. They are on the road (laughs) at Washington coming up on Saturday. And they are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite now on pregame.com. Now, listen, I'm a graduate of The Ohio State University, so I'm not a big Michigan guy. I'm a Steelers fan, so I'm not a big Ravens guy. Now, I don't know if you see a connection here. So when I say this, I'm saying it honestly, sincerely. I, when I look at the Harbaugh's, and I don't really separate them. I, I, they, seem, they look very similar to me. Is It feels like they have an odor about them. Like, and I mean, I'm just going to say that as I'm not sure it's related here, but he smells. I think that that's true, but it doesn't change the fact that when you have a game in the preseason in which your willingness to play hard or your inclination to play to win. Now, you might say, RJ, that's redeeming. That's old school. You know, to some degree, I agree with you. Bill Parcells loved to win in the preseason. You know, Belichick plays hard in the preseason. The old school guys do, Andy Reid. But there's times if you're not given your second string guy, and it's very analogous to the Lamar Jackson conundrum. What is that? It's that Lamar Jackson, when they have the lead and they can run a majority of the time, is maybe a top three or four quarterback in the NFL. But when the Ravens are behind, Lamar Jackson is below average. He is a below average passer. And his passing benefits from his ability to run most of the time. But if you're down and they know you've got to pretty much throw, Lamar in those spots is not good. He's not even average. But when the Ravens get up big in the regular season, do they pass? Do they give him reps there? No, they keep running. So I would make the following case. When the Ravens get, if they make the playoffs, when they get eliminated this year, where they fall behind and can't come back, I'm going to say them winning potentially 20 straight preseason games is all part and parcel of the same mentality from the Harbaugh's, which is we want to win a preseason game, even if it decreases our chance of winning a regular season game. And I'll be candid, that doesn't seem old school to me, Jonas. Yeah, and it, it's weird because, like, Lamar's not playing in these games, and it just feels like there's a real concerted effort to, to win these games. Like, for whatever reason, oh, it, just, yeah. it just Well, I think, so I think they want to beat Vince Lombardi's record. Yeah, like, now it's to the point to where you've got to, you want to go out there and you want to beat the record. I just wonder if Ron Rivera and Washington look at it and go, well, that's not going to happen. You know, like, that's not going to, we're not going to let that happen. And, and maybe this ends up being a little bit more of a competitive game than some people would anticipate. Ooh. Now, Rivera being a pedigreed guy that, that just beat cancer, that is, that won the or, or made the Super Bowl. Maybe he doesn't fall for the bait of that. I could see certain coaches doing that, though. And Vince Lombardi finished his career with Washington. Oh, so. yes, that is true. 70, yeah, what was it, one year, right? Like 73 yeah, or something? Yeah, and then he'd gotten sick, yeah. Yeah, so to me, well, first, let's look at the line. The line in the game is Baltimore. On the road, favored by three and a half. Yeah. So, Mackenzie, pull up Washington's results the first two games. I, what I'm trying to figure is, what would the line be in this game 
if Baltimore wasn't incentivized more than usual to win. Meaning, if it was just a pure straight, how much adjustment? Because we know Baltimore wants to win more than a typical team would in the regular or in the preseason. The question is, how much is the line being adjusted for that? By the way, in those 19 wins straight up, 17 and two against the spread. <laughs> 17 and 2. The Packers, when they won 19 straight preseason games, was between 59 and 62. Vince Lombardi. And uh, they, I think they played six a year back then. So um, a lot of preseason games back then. <laughs> and uh, Mackenzie, you got Washington's results? Yeah, they're 1 and 1 straight up, 0 and 2 against the spread. And what were the scores? They lost by 9 to, to the Patriots, and they won by 4 against the Bengals last week. Okay, lost by nine to the Patriots. Patriots killed Philly, lost to the Bengals. What, what did the ba- oh they won the ba- What was the Bengals the game before for them? I'm just getting a feel how good the Bengals are in the regular se- or preseason. See, that, so I would say Washington. If you were power rating the preseason, Bengals beat the Bucks, and they were dogs in that game by six points. Okay, so let's say Washington's maybe the. I'm just going off the top of my head. The twelfth or thirteenth best preseason team. Baltimore's the best, and they're favored by three and a half on the road. It feels like more. It feels like this would be like maybe one and a half or two if it wasn't for the streak. Yeah, does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, and especially I, I don't know how many starters are going to be playing for Baltimore. I mean, I, well, I, as I many mean, as it as many as it takes. Well, yeah, that, and I mean, look, if they start rotating in starters because the game's getting tight down the stretch, then we got a problem on our hands. I've got a great, great pre-internet Barry Switzer story that's related to this. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Did Aaron Rodgers approve of that cut of the wide receiver, Jonas? I don't know. We'll find out if he leaves him midseason. Was he cons- <laughs> was he consulted? Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to understand. All right, so my best buddy was a punter on the Kansas State team in uh, 1989 through you know whatever. I think he was a six year program. He had a couple red shirts. So Switzer was the coach at Oklahoma, and you know this is pre-internet. And they, the thing that people don't know that don't bet very much or often is these colleges really care, the good ones, about covering the spread because the alums, the boosters, tend to bet the team. So if they're laying 35 and they can pick the score effectively, they, you know, they want to win by over 35 because that's going to make the boosters and the alums happy. So... Kansas State, which was horrible back then. This is right before Bill Snyder. He was there one year before Bill Snyder got there. Stan Parrish was the coach. And they were like, oh, for whatever. Switzer and Oklahoma were amazing. And they were up by 13 points over the spread. So I think it was like the spread was 28, and they were up by 41 or whatever. Some variation like that. So they take the starters out of the game, and they're literally got their shoulder pads off, talking to the fans, you know, just – relaxing as the game ends. Somehow, Kansas State scores two touchdowns. Boom, boom. Gets it to 27 with like a minute 30 left. They're up by 27, Oklahoma. Kickoff, Oklahoma gets the ball. The starters come back in. They had them put on their shoulder pads, helmets back in, option, 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 down the field, got a touchdown in the last 30 seconds to cover. True story. Look it up. And I'm telling you, Jonas, 
Vegas, we're starting to kind of embrace Vegas and all the uh, effect it has on batting. I think it was ignorance that led us not to see that uh, widely in many decades before. Any thoughts? Barry Switzer, I remember hearing this story. He used to, when he would go recruit at a player's house, he would check the garbage cans to see what kind of beer the dad drank so that when he walked in the house, he could say, can I get you a beer? And he would say, well, (laughs) only if it's an MGD. And it was because he looked through the trash can. So he's just a character. That's that's, Uh, always a strategy. He's got one Super Bowl. That's what I know. (laughs) And I'll tell you this is someone on the ringer was I think Kevin Clark's name was talking about he was reading his autobiography switcher called A Bootlegger's Son. And uh, he talked about it at length this week, <laughs> where he was saying like he had like, there was like sixty allegations against him by the NCAA. He spent like a big chunk of the book going through every one of them, <laughs> and and like on on half of them he admitted it was true, but explained why it, why it happened. Right, and it wasn't his fault. <laughs> All right, speaking of a bootlegger's son. It looks like A.J. Hoffman is strutting in. So we're going to have some college football previews when we come back. And we're going to look ahead at the other big preseason games, including tonight, the Chiefs, who are playing their starters in the first half. How different is the first half line from the game line? He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., we've talked about the Baltimore Orioles and their dreadful streak. They were on 19 straight losses. The opposite of that is the New York Yankees, who have been red hot over the past couple of weeks as they go for win number 13 a row in tonight's game against Oakland. You might say, well, the Yankees, they started slow, but they're a World Series caliber team. No big deal winning 12 in a row. Well, let's, again, look at the $100 Let It Ride better. Now, why do we do that? Because it shows you how unlikely this series of events is. Because if you can bet $100 to start, and with the Yankees' 12 straight victories, you would have now $114,000. So think $100 bill or $114,000. That's how unlikely... So if you just do the math and say, okay, well, that's 11,400 for 10. So the odds are about 1,100 to 1 that the Yankees have won this many straight games. So this is amazing. It's noteworthy. And once again, if you had bet 100 bucks on the first game, took the winnings and let it ride, let it ride, let it ride, 12 straight, you'd have $100 return 114,000. Now let it ride betters eventually lose. So we're not recommending it, but it's a great way to quantify how unlikely these events are. By the way, Yankees tonight favored by or there are a minus 155 favorite, minus 155 in Oakland. So that means 155 to win 100 in that case. So if you're letting it ride, it'd be 114,000 to win that divided by 155. So, you know, to win about I don't know, eighty thousand. I wouldn't let it ride myself, Jonas, but (laughs) very unlikely. Now, 
I find another game very interesting here is the Chiefs are playing, and they've announced the starters are going to play at least the first half. So I wanted to look at the first half line versus the game line. So you want to set the game up? Yeah, we'll set the game up here. It is the Kansas City Chiefs, who obviously coming off that Super Bowl loss last year. And the Chiefs finish out the preseason coming up later on this weekend. And RJ, the Chiefs are hosting the Minnesota Vikings coming up later on. And it's a 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern time bet, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time kickoff there. Four and a half. The Chiefs are a four and a half point favorite here on pregame.com. And the line in the game... The line in the game is four and a half, and the line in the first half is four and a half. So think about this now. They're saying with the starters, the Chiefs, if it was the whole game, would probably be, if they were going to play the whole game, would probably be favored by about nine. So they're going to make them four and a half point favorites in the first half, and the second half is even. That's the first half line is the same as the game line. And it just goes to show you, Vegas isn't dumb. No one thought they were. And when you hear uh, public information, hey, this team's going to play their starters for the first half, the line's going to adjust to that. Now, what I'll say is there's a real opportunity with some halftime, first half, second half stuff that isn't as obvious because the bookies make a decision. They either will hire enough people, experts, to consider all these and say, hey, uh, Lions maker, better look at the second half line in this game because it's at altitude and the other team played three straight overtime games. They don't, they'd rather say, you know something, the limits are relatively low on halftime bats, first half bats. We're going to let the market shape it up, which means we'll do the simple mechanical math of it, put out what the line generally should be, and if for some aberration, if for some reason in this case it should be otherwise, the betters will tell us. And whatever money we lose, because we're getting bad at certain numbers, that if we were smarter as bookies, we would have the adjustment already made. They're willing to just take those losses, because those losses are smaller than the cost it would be to gain all that information themselves. That is an opportunity for us as betters. So if you're not betting thousands a game, things like first half, second half, if you bet them early, if there's any influences beyond the mechanical way to consider them, like this one, you know, Mackenzie, take a gander. What did the first half line open at in this game? Because oftentimes there's stuff that's obvious, Jonas, that we talk about, but it doesn't, it's not built into the number until the betters get a hold of it, and that's an opportunity. And I wonder, what's the, the game plan, the play calling going to be like? Because I would doubt that they'd want to do use anything that they're going to use or go to during the regular season because they don't want to give any tells with what they've got lined up. Is it just a basic vanilla game plan for Kansas City? Uh, and, and maybe that leads to more of an under bet or, or you know, maybe it's, uh, it's not as great of a line as we think. Well, but here's the thing about vanilla. I'm a big believer if a coach is in his first year in the preseason, you can expect a lot of vanilla because no one knows for sure what he's going to do. So the element of surprise is substantial right. with a new coach. But Andy Reid's been around a few years, and Mahomes has been his quarterback. Now, will they unveil some trick plays or scheme variations they came up with in the offseason? No, they won't reveal that. But again, there's, game, there's years of tape on him. I don't think there's any reason to not do certain things now that they have already done. 
So to me, yeah, vanilla does happen in the preseason. That's one of the reasons you don't want to overemphasize it. But I think it's usually first-year coaches. Urban Meyer is a great example. It's possible Jacksonville's looks so bad because he's been so extra vanilla. I don't feel that, but I think it could be true. With Kansas City, I think it's more important to get Mahomes on the right track because you could make the case Mahomes' last preseason game was one of the worst games he's ever played. I think it's going to be more about Mahomes getting ready for the regular season. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. We are back on Monday right here, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can check out the show every single weekday on the iHeartRadio app.